Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It is a rainy Wednesday, but it's still a day that the Lord has made, and we are starting it out in the Word, so no complaints from me. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being a part of my mornings. Thank you for being a part of my study in the Word. I love you so much. Second uh, Kings chapter 25. We're finishing up Second Kings today. We go verse by verse through the Word of God, and uh, we've been in Second Kings all your first and Second Kings all year long. Uh, so in some ways, I'm kind of glad that, that we're leaving Second Second Kings, leaving the Book of Kings. But I'm also, gosh, it's a little bit. It really makes me sad. It really, really does because I just remember how we started with Solomon and uh, how you know Jerusalem was built up and how his palace and the temple were built. And remember how you know we were just dragging each other through those long chapters where every detail of the wealth of Solomon, you know, that great bronze sea on the pillars and all of that. Um, and then today, just to watch it all, you know, be destroyed is just really, it really, it really makes me sad. You know, Jesus talks about, you know, Solomon and all of his glory, you know, and and this is what we're talking about here. Solomon's glory is destroyed here as Jerusalem falls. Second Kings chapter 25, very end of the book, verses 1 to 30. Um, those, uh, again, just notice we are talking about, you know, the, the end of, the, uh, of David's monarchy. You know, you know, he was promised to have, you know, ruler on the throne forever. And we're watching the, 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 the Davidic monarchy and the city of Jerusalem here come to an end. Uh, now, again, that's complicated. We all know the rest of the story. But as far as this story goes, this is, uh, this is sad and it's devastating. Now, for several chapters, we've known that this destruction was, was a done deal. I mean, God had declared it. Uh, the sins of the people brought it on. Uh, this is the uh, consequences of, of, of their sin. It's the harvest of what they have sown. And so uh, in that sense, it's been inevitable, but the details are still really, really sad. Verses 1 to 7 is uh, Zedekiah, you know, the king uh, who was captured. He is blinded. He is taken off to Babylon after two-year siege of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the wall begins to crumble uh, there's a severe famine. It's just terrible. Now, uh, the focus is, you know, always on the kings, like King Zedekiah here. But I think the kings always, you know, also represent the people. So, you know, his exile into Babylon, his blindness, all of that just sort of, I think, lets us see more and more of, of, of the fate of the people as well. So, so don't miss that. Verses 8 through 12 uh, we're talking about the destruction of the temple. It's just terrible. Uh, the primary agent here is a is a very high ranking military officer of of uh, Babylon. Uh, his name is uh, Nebuzaradan. Nebuchadnezzar's the king, and we're talking about Nebuzaradan here. Nebuzaradan becomes the the actor here. Nebuchadnezzar sort of fades into the background. He doesn't really show up again till verse twenty, when he's just called the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, Yahweh, you know, where's God in all of this too? You know, it's just amazing that that Yahweh himself makes no appearance, except that we know from the prophets that. Nebuchadnezzar, evil king that he is, is at this point doing God's will because God has declared the destruction of Jerusalem. So again, God and Nebuchadnezzar both don't have to take the stage because they are basically doing their work through uh, this uh, official Nebuchadnezzar. 
Uh, Nebuzaradan is brutal. Uh, notice here verses 9, 10, and 11. These three verbs are just devastating. He burned, uh, he b- broke down, and he exiled. He burned, he broke down, he exiled. He burned, uh, burning, of course, shows total mastery and, and, and also just this incredible lack of pity. You know, burn it to the ground, you know. And so he burns the temple of the Lord. He burns the royal palace. And again, I just keep flashing back to when Solomon had all of these things constructed. You know, the cedars of Lebanon and all of that, man. It's just gone. It's just gone. Up in smoke, the temple, the royal palace, all of the houses uh, and all the important buildings in the city. Man, he just burns this city to the ground. He burns and then he tears down. He breaks down the walls. Uh, on every side, the, the, the broken down walls of the city just show total destruction, total vulnerability, total defeat. And then the exile. Verse 11 in the Hebrew is really interesting because it holds the verb back to the end. It, it lists all these people, uh, 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 the, the, the people who remain in the city, the defectors, uh, the rest of the population exiled. You know, it, it saves the verb to the end. That uh, detail there, the defectors who had declared their allegiance to the king of Babylon. Uh, don't forget, and we haven't read the book of Jeremiah together. We'll get there, but Jeremiah is one of those who would be in that number. Jeremiah always preached and counseled the king to surrender. In other words, this is a done deal. Uh, God has declared it. It's going to happen, and, and nothing good can come at this point out of resisting what is inevitable. It was Jeremiah Uh, who encouraged them just to submit surrender because this was not going to end well if if, if they tried to fight. And and also, if you read over in Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 40, you get sort of Jeremiah's uh, story on this. Uh, Nebuzaradan knows about Jeremiah, according to the book of Jeremiah. Nebuzaradan knows him, knows his preaching, and so actually in the end is kind to him. So while Jeremiah is taken off to Babylon, Nebuzaradan ends up treating him well, showing him kindness and says, hey, you, you do you. You go home if you want to. And Jeremiah apparently returns home you know, during that reign of King, uh, what was his name? Uh, Gedaliah. Uh, and so, again, just interesting there where Jeremiah is one of those defectors and it, uh, incidentally, you know, is treated with kindness by Nebuzaradan. Um, but anyway, the, the temple itself is, is, is destroyed. Uh, notice verse 12, uh, the captain of the guard allowed the poorest people. We're talking about the rural folks here. They live outside the city. They're probably less educated because their lives don't require education. They are farmers, uh, vineyards and fields, and they just leave them alone. You know, um, I think that's just really kind of interesting. It's the city that is, you know, that really sees the destruction. The city dwellers who were treated uh, with brutality that, you know, it goes back, you know, a, a country boy will survive, you know, and the country folks, they just go on about their lives because, you know, their lives are less caught up with what happens in the big city. They're just going to continue, you know, feeding the chickens, collecting the eggs, working the fields and living their lives. I think that's just kind of interesting. We go on from there, verses 13 to 17, the, the temple treasury, anything at all. I mean, how many times have they ransacked the temple? How many times did the king, you know, run short? And so he went and got, you know, something out of the temple and hocked it. You know, how many times? 
But you can see here, man, they're down to ash buckets, shovels, ladles, you know, door stoppers, you know, I mean, anything at all, printer cartridges, you know, old telephones, I mean, whatever is laying around the church house, y'all. They're just picking it all up, but, but including that gigantic bronze basin. It was kind of too inconvenient to get the pillars and the bronze basin. You had to tear the place down to take this stuff out, and now that's what they've done. They've taken the bronze water carts, and on and on it goes. Um, there's nothing left now of the temple. They've taken it, it all. The pillar, the bronze pomegranates, all of that is is, is taken away. I just, that's so sad to me. Again, I just remember, I wasn't there when it was built, but we read all that, you all, and just to realize, man, this is gone. It was built in such glory and celebration and destroyed with such indignity. Uh, it, it just kind of breaks my heart. Notice there also... Uh, the, the end of the bureaucracy, 18 to 21, all of the people, anybody who was anybody, anybody with influence, uh, anybody who was part of government, uh, is all of that is just sort of dismantled. They're all taken to Ribla. Nothing, if you're taking a Ribla, it's never good for you. Notice there, that's where the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, makes his appearance, and he himself puts all of those people to death. Again, it's the power structure. It's anybody who might have a degree in political science or anybody who might have enough wits about them to try to organize and, uh, you know, no, it, it's all over. The power structure is destroyed there. Gedaliah becomes sort of the puppet governor there. King Nebuchadnezzar appoints him there. Uh, he is ultimately killed, of course. You, you can see that there. And that's kind of what you see here. Uh, actually, the story kind of ends in verse 21 with the destruction. That's kind of where it ends. And you get these two kind of conclusions. One is Gedaliah, and then you notice he's killed all the people of Judah from that point, least to the greatest. Man, they flee to where? Verse 26, they go to Egypt. Uh, they go to Egypt. I don't care where you are in the Old Testament. Egypt is still Egypt. And the fact that the people go to Egypt just demonstrates this complete nullification of everything God has done in the lives of his people. You know, like they're right back where they started. They go back to Egypt. So that's one conclusion. And that's dark and that's terrible. Like I say, that's a reversal of everything that God had tried to do through the uh, lives of the people of Israel rescued from Egypt. They all just go back. So that's one conclusion. Uh, but then you ever been in one of those movies where they have the credits and then there's like a post-credit scene that's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, what? And so you got a post-credit scene here. The other conclusion here, beginning of verse 27, scholars don't know what to do with it because we're back to Jehoiakim. Now, Jehoiakim has been now sort of in exile. Uh, he was deported like 37 years ago, and we haven't heard anything from him. You know, we're talking way back in chapter 24. Uh, Jehoiakim was, was taken off. Uh, but now it's like, like all the, 37 years later, we see him again. It's like, what? You know, I forgot about him. What? And then we find out Nebuchadnezzar dies. What? You know, Nebuchadnezzar's dead. There's a new king in Babylon, and the new king decides to show kindness to Jehoiakim. So he gives him some new fancy clothes to wear and starts letting him eat in his presence, eat in the royal dining room. And so uh, uh, it's like scholars don't know. Is that hope? You know, because like, as I said, this is the end of the Davidic reign, the, the, the Davidic monarchy. All the kings of, you know, in the line of David are destroyed. But then like at this last 
post credit scene, we see Jehoiakim. He's in the line of David and he's doing all right. You know, he's alive and well. And that's how it ends. That's how the, you know, the whole record of the kings ends. It's just a sort of ambiguity, but hope. You know, because it's not all over. We still got one of David's, you know, line. And it turns out he's in exile, but he's doing pretty good, you know. So there you go. That's the end of the book of Second Kings. Y'all, we did it. Way to go. I knew you could do it. I know you tried to quit on me <laughs> several times in First and Second Kings, but you got to the end and I did too. And uh, gosh, I loved it, y'all. I, I really enjoyed that. Thank you for... Uh, for that adventure in First and Second Kings. So here's what we'll do next. I want to go back and pick up Jonah. It's a little bitty prophet. Let's go to Jonah because Jonah got a shout out. Do you remember back in Kings, you know, when we were in this Assyrian empire, Jonah got a shout out. So let's just go all the way out and do Jonah because he was doing his prophesying. You know, he's the worst missionary ever. Can we just say that? But Jonah was doing his ministry during what we've read. So let's go back pick up Jonah. I think we may pick up one other little prophet and no more than we can finish up next week. We'll do Jonah, maybe another little prophet next week. And then I want us to go to the book of Acts. Okay. So it's all going to be, it's all God's word. It's all going to be good. And what's not good, you and I together and the Holy Spirit will make it good. All right. So it's going to be good. Jonah tomorrow, chapter one, verses one to 17, book of Jonah, chapter one, verses one to 17. Won't take us long. It'll take us into next week. We'll finish up another little prophet next week. And then we'll go into the book of Acts. All right, so listen, let's go do Wednesday. Have a happy Wednesday and stay in the word. And I'll see you in the morning, Book of Jonah, Lord willing, at 10 o'clock, 2 and 10. I love you all so much. Have a good day.